Amen. All right. Thank you, Janie. Okay, so what is going on with this bulletin cover? Uh, I, I know, kind of, well, it's a big bloody cover. Um, okay, the Ides of March. Do you know what the Ides of March are? Oh, wait, we have to stop. We have a new member in the church. Michael and Jennifer Jones, they brought their baby Luke in, or Luke brought them in. Can you, is he able to lift him up? Can you do the Lion King? Yes. And I gotta, it's complicated. It's a, oh, there he is. Congratulations, you guys. I know Michael wanted to name him like Luke Obi-Wan Kenobi or something like that, but Jennifer said no, but it's exciting. All right, yeah, so what is, what is going on with this bulletin cover? The Ides of March, it, that's basically March 15th, and it's a Roman holiday, and it's actually an important Roman holiday in that it, uh, after, I mean, after the, you know, the holiday, but they chose March 15th to kill Julius Caesar on the Senate floor. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge historical moment, huge drama. And, and I'm sorry if you're not a history person. You know, who is Julius Caesar? He was, um, I know. Uh, Julius, he's, he's on, um, he made some salad dressing. Yeah. No, I know, so bad. Uh, boo, I know. He was, the, he was the first emperor, Roman emperor. But Rome started off as a, as a republic. They, they started off with, uh, they, they stole some stuff from the Greeks, and they started off with this incredible society built on, built on democracy. Basically, everything that we have comes from the, the bones of Roman society and Roman structure. And they had this beautiful thing called the Republic, and they had senators that were running the empire. But they could never get anything done. There was bureaucracy involved. <laughs> is, is this sounding familiar? They could never agree on anything. And there were personality conflicts, drama. One of the most important parts of Roman culture is virtue. And the man that epitomized the ultimate Roman virtue was Caesar, Julius Caesar. He, uh, he had the ability to overcome all the obstacles outside of the Roman Empire, so he defeated everybody that he came in conflict with. In addition to that, inside of his inner circles, he was able to out, outmaneuver his foes. Everybody loved Julius Caesar. He was a, he was a noble man. He was, he was the idealized, perfect human being at this time. This was before Jesus. And they, 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 want, they wanted to deify him. They wanted to make him a god. They wanted to make him a king. And he's always like, no, 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 no. It's, it's about the republic. It's about the republic. And then, you know, well, there's, a, there's, there's this tension of democracy and power. We can't get anything done, Caesar. We need you to be who God, well, that's, that's not correct. We need you to use your gifts as the benevolent dictator so that we can continue to move this great society forward. We need centralized leadership. And you are the man. You are the most noble man on the planet. You are Roman virtue. You're, you're perfect. And so he comes in. 
He comes into uh, the forum and they, I don't know, they probably had him up on a chair and they're probably ushering him in. And there were, you know, people were throwing flowers down. It was a triumph, right? They were celebrating the, the, they were celebrating the, the success of one person that symbolized the empire. So this is Roman triumph, and everybody's cheering. There's a lot of, a lot of activity going on in the marketplace, and uh, they want to make him king. You know, they want to deify him. And he's just kind of, he's kind of soaking it all in, right? He's kind of basking in his own success. It's actually a great time for human secularism. It's human secularism at its highest. And in the midst of the crowd, the marketplace, and the rumble of, of people's voices and the throwing of little flowers and whatever, whatever Romans do to celebrate, in the, in the far distance, you could hear somebody say, beware the Ides of March. There's more noise, and, and Julius Caesar is talking to Mark Anthony, and his wife is there. His, his best friend Brutus is there. Beware the Ides of March. It's in the air. He can, hear, he can hear it through all the static. He can hear it through all the rumblings of the, of the, of the, society, of the, of the crowd. Beware the Ides of March. And he says, what was that? What, what did I just hear? And it happens again. Beware the Ides of March. Julius Caesar says, who said that? Who said that? And Brutus says, it's a soothsayer. The soothsayer says, beware the Ides of March. Then it happens again. Beware the Ides of March. And then Julius Caesar does something that seals his fate. He says, bring me this man. And face to face, the prophet and the emperor, the king, the, the ruler, he says, what did you just say? And the soothsayer says, beware the Ides of March. And Julius Caesar responds, it's nothing but a dream. Let us leave him. But you know what? It was too late. It's too late at that point. Julius Caesar's fate is sealed, and on March 15th, he gets slain and cut down in his own Senate floor, and blood is all over the place. That's why you have a bloody bulletin right now. Blood's everywhere. And they didn't, they didn't choose to kill him in a dark alleyway. They did not choose to poison his drink. They did not choose to like push him off a cliff somewhere and, or hire the mafia. This is Italy, by the way. To hire the mafia to knock him off. No, they made a public spectacle of him and they, they, they slaughtered him like a, like a sacrifice on the altar. They made a point. But it all started with him. Because in the air, he heard this omen, beware the Ides of March. And he listened to it. It happened again, beware the Ides of March. Then he inquired. See, he inquired and he entertained the thought, who said this? And then the next step, he actually moved himself into relationship with the omen, face to face with that prophet, and said, what did you say about my life? I'm going to identify with that. 
He sealed his own fate. And because he did that, and he did it in the, he did it in the square, he did it, he did it publicly. Brutus saw him do it. Brutus actually said, well, the soothsayer said, beware the eyes of March. So it was even on the lips of his best friend, Brutus. His wife saw him say it. The whole Senate saw him say it. And so at this, this omen gets planted in, not only into the, seat, into the heart of Julius Caesar himself, but everybody. Everybody sees this omen. And the motives of men identify with this omen. And it comes to pass. This was not fated. This was not some part of God's divine will. This was something that Julius Caesar chose for himself because he chose to listen, entertain, identify, and be in relationship with an ominous word that was not from God. Now, we can talk about, I don't know, power and democracy and all that kind of stuff, but that's not the point of this. The scriptural point of this is there are, there are words in the air. You have an enemy, hmm? Like, if you're, if you're a Christian, if you, stopped, if you stepped across that line of faith, um, God is no longer your enemy. If you're not a believer, if you, don't, if, if, if you haven't sacrificed your will and your desires and your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you've got a big bad enemy, and it's G-O-D. It's God. God you've chosen to make God your enemy if you, if you haven't surrendered your life to him. But once you do, you get a new enemy, And that's the adversary. That's the liar. That is the, he is the principality of the what? Of the air. And he is your enemy. And he's going to lie to you. And he wants to deceive you. He wants to trick you. And he wants you to believe the things that he says about your life. But there's some really good news. We don't have to listen. When you hear, when you hear the, 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 the omen in the air in the distance, you can choose not to listen to it. You can choose not to entertain the thought. And most importantly, you can choose not to be in a relationship with it. And the Bible talks about it. All right. First Peter, this is the one that you want to mark in your book. First P- Peter chapter 5. Verse 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This is the very nature of who God is. God is good. And what does he say? He says, I want you to cast all your anxieties and all of your worries onto me because I have empathy. I have compassion for you. God loves you. And so he wants your anxieties. He wants your worries. He wants you... Did you worry about something this week? Did you get stressed out? Did you freak out about something? Did you you begin to circle the drain of of negative self-talk and doubt? Did you beat yourself up mentally? That negative self-talk we we talked about last week? Did you do that this week? Life is hard, right? It is unavoidable. You're going to, be, you're going to face things that, that, that will bring tension in your life. But I, I, I want everybody to have a healthy relationship between tension and anxiety. 
Tension is good. Anxiety and worry and stress is toxic because it competes with our ability to communicate with God. And the more that we worry about something, well, it will take away from our prayer life or our communication. So let me ask you this. This week, did you spend more time worrying about your problems than you did praying about your problems and listening to God for the solution? See, the more that we focus on our problems, they get bigger. The more that we focus on God, he gets bigger. And he can help us overcome those problems. So cast your anxieties and your worries onto God because he is good and he cares for you. Unlike an ominous negative omen, which is out to kill you. All right, here's the good part. Be self-controlled and alert. So, church... Believers, be self-controlled and alert. That, that meaning in your mind, you need to be able to control what you think about, control what you, what you act out. You need to know what you believe, and you need to act on your beliefs. And, and more importantly, you need to be alert. And once we let our guards down as believers, when we begin to, to give up what we're thinking about, when we lose control of our mind and, and, and what we're, we're being controlled by, we, when we become unaware of what is really going on around us, see, what is going on around you? You've got physical, natural things that are going on. Like, like you're, you're in trouble with your boss. That's going on around you. Don't, don't, look, that's tension in your life. That's stress. Don't let it spin into anxiety. But also, be aware. Be self-controlled. Show up to work on time. But also be aware and be alert. What is really going on in the air? Hmm? Is it spiritual? Or are you just slacking off and being lazy? Hmm? Is it spiritual, though? Is it spiritual, the, the opposition that you are facing at home, at work, wherever it may be, is it spiritual? Be alert. Be aware. Is it? Ask yourself, is it? Because this is, you have an enemy, right? You have an enemy. This is what he does. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same suffering, the same kind of suffering. So your adversary, he functions like what? What is he? What's the, what's the analogy here? What kind of a lion? Roaring lion. You watch National Geographic? You have cats? You guys have cats? How do they hunt? Do they roar? No. Predators stalk. I had a dog that, well, I got two big fat sissy dogs right now. And um, they, they bark. They probably would bite somebody, but for the most part, they're big fat sissies. And they bark and rah, I mean, they, they're, their job, their purpose for us, is, is to annoy my neighbors. That, uh, and, and, you know, and to, and to warn people, to keep people from coming in. When I was a kid, I had this dog that was German Shepherd and Husky and 
Timber Wolf Cujo. I like to drink blood and kill things, dog. I would come home from school and there'd be dead cats all over the place and he'd bring them to me and say, hey, look what I killed today. And um, his name was Goliath. <laughs> Goliath did not bark ever. He stalked his prey. He had a thing for motorbikes, too. So he would hide behind the bushes. This is before Altaloma got developed. He would hide behind the bushes, and when these kids on their dirt bikes would run the trail, he would, he would chase them down. He didn't bark. He didn't warn them. He didn't tell them that they, that they were there. He chased them down, hunted them down, and he, he got a couple of guys off their bikes. It was bad. Like, I'm glad this dog's not alive because there would be some litigation involved in a couple of cases. So here's the good news. Your adversary is not allowed to stalk you like an apex predator. Because Jesus took that right away from him at the cross. So he cannot, he cannot stalk you and kill you in the dead of night when you least expect it. He does not have that right. The cross took that away from him. The only thing that he can do is roar. And so if you get devoured by the devil, guess whose fault it is? It's yours because you listened. Because the devil said, beware the Ides of March. And you listened, right? You entertained the thought. Beware, beware, beware. <gasps> Fear. And see, the way that it works in the spiritual world, when the, when the devil broadcasts his message up into the air, when he roars into the air, uh, it is, it is, it's, okay, we're dumb sheep. That's an analogy the Bible uses. But I'm going to push it a little bit further. We're even like moths that are drawn to the flame. Do you guys see? And so the, the, the title of today's message is Discerning Omens. And to be more specific, okay, omens are bad. We'll just say it that way. I, I don't know if there's good omens in the Bible. I doubt it. But omens are bad. They are, they're negative words. This is, this is for my own purposes in this message. Omens are bad. They're negative words. They're lies from the devil that he broadcasts into his air because that's the only thing that he controls. And they're there to get our attention so that we can be sucked into his flame and that he can devour us. And this is what Caesar modeled. The, the, mo the, the noblest man of virtue that the planet has ever seen gets sucked into his own, it gets sucked into a flame. He believes a lie. And the first fill in on your bulletin, the self-fulfilling prophecies are our biggest trap. What we, what we hear, if we, if, we, if we entertain what we hear in the air, and then if we believe it, we will act it out, and it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. All right, let's just bring it down to like a real natural level instead of all the super weird spiritual stuff. Your, your, your teacher at school says, you're never going to amount to anything, Josh, because you're a slacker and you're, you're a C-minus student. You're never going to make it in society. You might as well take shop, right? I might as well take shop. 
I'm never going to amount to anything in this life. And then I entertained the thought, and then I began to believe it. And when, once I believe it, I entertained the thought, I, I acted out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a loser my entire life. Self-fulfilling prophecies. Words that are spoken into our lives, whether, you know, super spiritual omens or just really practical stuff. We, we get to choose to listen to it or not. Uh, the, the first person that dealt with this was Job. And it's in your bulletin, but Job says, you know, what I have feared the most has come upon me. What I was afraid of has happened to me. See, what, what did Job value? What do we know about Job's life? He valued his money and he valued his family. What do you think that he was afraid of the most? He was afraid of losing his money and he was afraid of losing his family. What do you think that he was worrying about? Where do you think his anxieties lied? They, they lied, they, they, they all were housed in this, I'm gonna lose my wealth, I'm gonna lose my money. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy in Job's life. I mean, he was going to be tested out of the way. The devil had the right to sift him. doesn't have the right to sift you the same way that he sifted Job, by the way. But the devil had the right to do it. But what if, I don't know, what if Job would have feared something else? He would have determined his fate in a different way. All right, practical level. Let's say that one of your fears is being incarcerated, being put in jail, Disenfranchised young men have this fear. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be put in jail. I'm gonna get locked up. That cop is following me. He's chasing me down. I better hide. I better. I'm, I'm so afraid of getting locked up. Guess what's gonna happen? He's gonna fulfill that self-fulfilling prophecy. He will end up in jail someday. All right. Omens are negative words that we choose to listen to or not. But how do you receive a good word? A good word from God. If omens are bad, what's good? Prophecy is good. What's the short definition of prophecy? It's, it's, knowing, it's knowing and understanding God's will. Being able to hear God clearly and know what his will is for your life. Um, prophecy is identifying with what is true, what is right, what is noble. It is, is tapping into God's dream for your life. It's tapping into his creative process, the living, active word where God's drawn you and called you into. That's the short definition of prophecy. So where we could be drawn to the flame and identifying with an omen, the other side of this is, how do I receive what is good? How do I receive good, life-breathing, encouraging, prophetic words into my life and where I can change them, where I can be changed and transformed, where I can find my identity and destiny in God? All right, the first one on your outline is, um, all right, you have to choose a community of wisdom. This is really important. The church is 
is hope. The church is truth. If I get time, we're going to read a little bit of Timothy at the end. T- uh, Timothy uh, chapter 4. So if I don't get to it, mark, you know, mark that and we'll read it at home. But the church was meant to administrate hope and truth. And a healthy church community will build an atmosphere where you can receive God's word and will from your life from each other in a, in a healthy way. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14, verse 29. Two or three prophets should speak. The others should weigh carefully what is said. Don't turn to one person who will tell you... Oh, excuse me, I wrote that. Um, I know. All right, two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. All right, and again, this um, really super spiritual crazy type of word, prophetic. But did you know that if you are involved in any type of small group or accountability group or social group within this church, that you function on a prophetic level? If you have the desire to encourage somebody or to lift somebody up or to be able to hear God's voice together in a group, tap into his will, you're functioning on this, on this prophetic level. So everyone... Everyone has the ability to function at the prophetic level, to know what God's will is. It's, it's something that is not reserved for soothsayers and, and, and sages. This was meant for everybody, to, for the purpose of encouraging the church. So how should it be done? It should be done in a community of wisdom. What does that look like? Community, first of all. Meaning that, uh, okay, you're in, a, you're in your small group, and you, you have somebody that is in need in your group. A good group will empathize, love, see the hope that is in them, and pray for that individual as a group. And that is how prophecy is modeled. That's a healthy community where, where one or two people are agreeing on what God is saying in this person. Not one or two. Two or three people are agreeing upon what is being said about this person. Why, why is it important to have two or three people to, to speak God's will into somebody's life? Why? Because we're all broken and flawed. And even within my best intentions, I can still get it wrong. So I need you to help me be accountable whenever we're speaking life into somebody's life. Two, three, four people need to be able to be in agreement about something that's going on in somebody's life. Okay, number two. Next fill-in. This is really important. Okay, in order to receive what is good, have a clear connection to what God is doing, you have to confess your sins. You're dealing with that anxiety, that worry. You don't know where God is leading you right now. I'm so confused with my life. I don't know what God wants me to do. I just wish I knew his will, so I'd quit wasting time. When was the last time you asked for forgiveness of your sins? It's so important. And again, it's not because, you know, God wants you to feel guilty about what you did last weekend. That's not the point. But what we know about sin is sin separates us from God. It disconnects us from God. 
And if you're disconnected from God because you've got a sin in your life that you have not dealt with, you cannot only communicate with God clearly, sin also disconnects us from community as well. So whenever we have unconfessed sin in our lives, yeah, we know it disconnects us from God, but it also disconnects us from the body of Christ. So in order to really understand what God is doing, in order to receive that, that, that rhema word of God, you need to confess your sins. And then things are going to get a lot clearer. Things are going to begin to make more sense as far as your direction and where God's taken you. Uh, Psalms. 130, verse 1 through 8. It's in your outline. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, mark, my, mark iniquities, O Lord, could, uh, could stand, but with, their, excuse me, but with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, and my soul waits. And here we go. And in his word, I hope. So you see what the psalmist does. He goes into this area of, of addressing his iniquities, of his sins, of, of receiving that forgiveness. See, he confesses his sins. He receives the forgiveness of God. And then what? He can hear the word of God. He can see that hope in his life. Look, I have seen this often where people's lives are a complete train wreck, yet they refuse to ask for forgiveness of this, just this one area of their lives. There's this one thing that I'm not going to surrender to you, God. And it catches up to them. And they never break three, free, and they never get that victory. All right. Next one. Yet the value, trust... And counsel. In order to receive what is good, you have to value trust. You have to trust each other. And you have to be willing to receive godly counsel. Proverbs uh, eleven thirteen. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Talebearer, um, somebody that talks too much. Uh, chatty Kathy. I'm sorry, Kathy. Uh, chatty, um, <laughs> chatty Josh. They just can't keep their mouth shut. It's a talebearer. It's a gossiper. And they like to reveal secrets. Mm. But he who trusts, but he who is trustworthy, he conceals a matter. So the trust within a community. Look, if somebody dump some heavy stuff on you, uh, you're responsible for it. Like you are the steward of that pain. You are to make it a point of prayer. If somebody confides in you enough to say, oh, I got this going on in my life. I think I ought to share it with you. No, you are the steward of that pain. You, you, he, that individual has called you into a place of healing. They, they want to they wanna walk with you. And so you got you to gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep your mouth shut. No matter how interesting and how tantalizing it might be to spread this stuff around, shut your mouth. Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to receive God's good word from you because you've broken trust. All right. 
Key here. In order to receive God's good word, yeah, trust and counsel. But in the body of Christ, on the same level, you have to choose to strengthen your relationships. Write that down too, next to counsel and trust. You need to choose to strengthen your relationships. Having a hard time hearing from God? How are you doing with your interpersonal relationships? God a little fuzzy? God not speaking to you as clearly as he once got spoken to? Well, Pastor Josh, God used to speak to me audibly. I don't know what's going on. How's your marriage doing? Well, it's not doing good. I'm sleeping on the couch. Oh. What's your relationship like with your kids? It's not good. I just wish God would speak to me. Look, look, here's, here's the bottom line. Yeah, we need to strengthen our communication. We need to strengthen our relationships, our interpersonal relationships, and we need to strengthen our relationship with God. But it could be either or. The reason why, possibly, the reason why you're not hearing from God correctly is because your communications with other people is not good. All right, let me, let me illustrate this. Um, a healthy, investing in a wise community and seeking out trust and, 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 and godly counsel. Hmm? So you want to hear from God. And, and I hope that this is the last church you ever attend. But if it's not, like if God calls you to another church or if you move or, I don't know, if I say something that, that offends you, and you go to another church. Okay, beware the Ides of March. Not only into what other church you go into, but what other, whatever environment that you go into. You beware the Ides of March. The Ides of March when you walk into a, a spiritual environment. If somebody grabs you, before you walk into the door, before you, before you enter into community or communion, to hear the word of God, or even like in a Bible study. We'll even take it down to that level. Like you're on your way, you're going into the house, and you're going to go into a Bible study, and somebody grabs you and says, I've got a, I've got a secret word from God for you. You beware the Ides of March. You're coming into church, and somebody grabs you in the parking lot. I have special revelation for you. Beware the Ides of March. See, it's, it's taking you out of a, it, it's entertaining some type of thought. It, the early church dealt with this. It was called Gnosticism. I've got special revelation for you. Look, you're too dumb to hear from God, so I'm going to tell you myself. Strengthen your, if you're having a hard time, strengthen your relationships with people in a healthy community. All right, uh, raise your hand if you're going through the marriage course. All right, your relationship's getting stronger? Communication, better? Yeah. Getting thumbs up. You, you've, you, you've chosen to strengthen your relationships with each other, right? And in doing that, like you're learning how to empathize with your spouse. You're learning how to empathize with, with their past is when they were a child, right? It's a different, complete level, right? 
You know them better. All right, let me ask you this. Is your prayer life better? Absolutely. Do you see? All right, this came to me last week. And, oh gosh. Um, All right, here we go. I'm going to go for it. Occasionally, on occasion, people will come to Pastor Josh with a special revelation from the Lord. I, I could probably mark it on my hand. I don't know. Fiverr. I don't know. But it happens, right? One of the doozies, one of my favorites, so when I was a youth pastor, I, got, I, get, I get pulled aside by an individual. Beware the Ides of March, Pastor Josh. Don't go do the homeless feeding on this Saturday because if you do, you're going to be gunned down in the park. I have seen a vision from the Lord from you. You know what I did with that? Chose not to listen to it. Um, and I went to the park. I didn't get gunned down. Hmm? Um, but I chose, there was a roaring line that was in the air. And I, and I, okay, I chose not to identify with it. I chose not to believe it. I was really angry all week long. I, I kicked over chairs and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't open fortune cookies anymore from that day. Because, it, because it's superstition. It's, it's juju. You write this down. You verbally reject bad juju. <laughs> Write that down. You just verbally reject bad juju. I have a, fr- okay, I'm going to come off my high horse for a second. Um, I have a friend that I play racquetball with. He beats me all the time. It's not fair or fun. But anyway, um, so he's got, these, he's got these three adorable little boys. I don't know, like four, six, and, and eight and they're, they're high-energy type of boys. They're running all over the place. I mean, you know, they're, they're just, they're, they're boys. And I said, oh, my gosh. These kids are like, they got a lot of energy. You know, they're going to they're gonna give you heck when they're older, and they're going to be beating each other up. Okay, you know what my friend says to me? He says, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, what? Don't you know who I am? All right, but you see, do you, do, we are all flawed, and we say, we say stuff that we should not say. So what was I doing? I was, I was, like the, I was acting as the roaring lion throwing up this negative thing about his kids. I was, I was giving him an omen about his kids, and he chose to not entertain the thought and not receive it. It was a roar that was in the air that he rejected verbally. So verbally reject juju. Hmm? Somebody says something bad about you or about your kids or, wow, your kid's going to grow up to be a loser someday. You know, you, you verbally shut, shut it down. You, instead, of, instead of identifying with it, you speak life over your child or over your loved one or over yourself. I don't accept that stuff. All right. Somebody gives you a, a word, ask what the purpose is. Ask yourself, what's the purpose of this? Does, this? does this bring hope into my life? Does this bring 
encouragement to our church? What's the purpose of the word? Next fill-in. I'm going to read the verse first. First I'm drying up here. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. Do not despise prophetic utterances. All right? Don't, don't despise prophetic utterances. See, but examine everything carefully. And you hold on to what is good, and you abstain from every form of evil. Okay, so here's your feeling. You spit out the bones. So, you know, don't despise, when you're in your small group, don't despise a prophetic utterance, especially if they love you. If they love you, if, they, if you think that they have their best intentions in mind, don't despise words that are coming out. But be wise. If you feel there's evil in it, you spit out the bones. You receive what is good and you spit out what is bad. Another way to say it is, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I've done that. I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm not going to put myself in a vulnerable situation. You know, I got hurt years ago, so therefore I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to invest in relationships anymore. I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Hmm? But what we're really doing is we're believing a lie. All right, Isaiah 2, verse 22, your next fill-in. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but breath in their nostrils. And why do we hold them to such esteem? All right, trust God. You want to receive that good word from the Lord? Trust God. It's really that simple. Don't trust yourself. You're a human. Don't lean upon your own understanding. Trust God. Don't trust, well, you, you should trust people in authority, but trust God. Why is this a big deal for, for humankind? Is because we have this, um, this desire to deify Caesars. And we do it, Amer- we're no different. We're, we're, look, we're not much different than the Roman Republic. We're very, very similar. We're in the end times, folks. We're very similar to the Roman Republic. And you think, oh, well, we would never make our president king. Well, I, I don't know. Look at the entertainment industry. Look at who we have deified in, in the areas of, of, inter, of the God of entertainment. And so it, it is innocent as Americans to, um, to trust people instead of trusting God. And we do it in religion, too. We all have our favorite preachers. I'm not saying that you don't learn from your favorite preachers or your favorite, favorite you know, worship artists or whatever it might be, but trust God. Don't trust them. Learn from me. Let me shepherd you. Let me lead you. But trust God. Hmm? I, have, I have air in my nostrils. <laughs> this body is not eternal. Trust God. All right, how am I doing? Hey, I got time. I can read this Timothy verse. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Timothy chapter four, First Timothy chapter four. Okay, verse one, chapter four, verse one. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. All right, first major point. We are in end times. We are, we're there. All right, turn on the news. We're there. Some will abandon the faith. We're seeing that in record number. Organized religion is, it's, it's, it's really strange. A follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons, the doctrine of demons. Such teachings come through uh, hypocritical liars. Those consciousness have been seared uh, with a hot iron. Okay, so... People that are teaching false doctrine, they've they've listened to the roar of the lion and they've pulled it out and they've believed it. And they believed it so much, what's it say? It has seared their consciousness. It It has completely changed the way that they believe about the word of God. Meaning that they can believe a lie and be okay with it completely seared their consciousness. We'll, go, we'll skip down to verse 6. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truth of the faith and the good teachings that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Oh, I'm going to say that one again. Have nothing to do with useless myth. In old wives' tales, you, who do, train thyself. Do you, do you see? You are responsible for training yourself. That's your responsibility. Train yourself to be godly. For the physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy worthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive. We have put our hope into the living God who is the Savior of all men. Verse 11. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because of uh, who you are or how young you are. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself uh, to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gifts. Okay, pay attention right here. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a what? A prophetic message. When the body of elders, what's that? That's a healthy, wise community. The body of elders, they laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see the progress, see your progress. Watch your life. Be alert. Pay attention. There's a lion that wants to eat you. If he eats you, it's your fault. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. 
Preserve them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Okay, and then we're going to skip over real quick to chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. So what, what, what's, he, what, what's he saying? Okay, let me, let me give you a little bit of context and then we'll wrap it up. Okay, Paul is discipling and he's mentoring Timothy. And, I mean, what, what, whatever, you know, everybody's hair should be standing up on your, when I read the, you know, the, the doctrine of demons, oh my gosh, that's freaky, right? So everybody should be like, what? People are falling away from the faith, false doctrine, the apostasy, what is going on? What's he talking about? Paul is... Like he's, he's working on a young man, and it is very easily for me to push on this. This, this young man was dealing with what we deal with, with what everybody deals with. He was struggling with his identity. He was young, and he was up against the, the, the religious academic elite of his, of his time. Everybody was smarter than him. Everybody was, you know, at a higher level educationally. They knew the law inside out. He didn't. So not only was he young and inexperienced, his mom was a Jew and his dad was a Greek. So automatically he doesn't fit in. And when you see Paul minister to this kid in letter, he's, he's addressing his insecurities in counsel, right? He, he says, look, I, I know you're struggling. Look, I know you're young. I know the people are looking down at you. And um, I know, you know, this biracial thing might be a little complicated. But look, don't give up hope. You know, be, be encouraged. Don't let that bother you. Remember the prophetic words, right? Remember those prophetic utterances that you received in a healthy community. Identify with the good words that God has said about you. Receive those things. Build them into your life of love and faith. And we don't do this. Look, when when we invite people to come up for prayer, um, it's ex- you can all do this. It's extremely easy to read people's body language. If you cut, you know, you've had a rough week in your marriage, and you drag yourself up here as a couple, and you're crying and stuff like that, um, we can pick up on that real easily. Oh, thus saith the Lord, you must be struggling in your marriage, right? And I can, I can, I can choose to omen that. Or I can choose to speak life into that. So I can say, look, we're going to pray for for God's living word on your life. We're going to pray for hope because I see hope in this situation. But let me counsel you, like Paul counseled Timothy, don't lose hope. Go to a marriage class. Right? Don't lose hope. Somebody walks into the room and they're a little 
down, a little depressed. You start talking to them, their lip shivers a little bit. You're going to have a terrible week unless you get into the word, thus saith the Lord. What is that? That's an omen. It's easy to read. And it, and it gives me the ability to have power on people. But you know what the Bible tells me that I ought to do? When somebody comes in and they're visibly broken? You know, you can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives you strength. I see hope in you. And you can do it. That's, that's the difference there. Every area of our lives needs to be dominated with positive words from the Lord. And I want to encourage you this week. All right, what area of my life? Look, we compartment everything. We've got a suitcase for everything. We, we, you know, our closets are, are full, and there's a suitcase for every area of our life. Like last week, we, we learned that, that we are extremely complex, except for men. We are extremely complex, right? <laughs> We've got compartments for everything. And during communion, I challenged you to say, okay, what compartment have you not let God into? Because to receive Jesus into your life for salvation is just step one. He want, you, you need salvation in every area of your life. I have the band and the ushers to come up to the front. And as they're on their way up... I'm going to give you one more thought. The enemy of God is a lion that roars, and he just wants to be listened to. Don't chase the devil around. Hmm? He wants to be chased. He wants to be listened to. So you just got to, you have to ignore him. Uh, you know, this, this list of um, omens that have been spoken over my life, from getting shot in the park to, I don't know, there's been some interesting ones. And they were, actually, they were actually backed up with scripture too. Every single one, every single negative omen that was spoken over my life, the source was an individual that was outside of community and not healthy emotionally. Unempowered people. That's the truth. I, every single negative omen that has been spoken over in my life, I have chosen to ignore it in the marketplace. Not a single one has ever come true. I chose not to identify with self-fulfilling prophecies. I got a word spoken over in my life by this lady right here that I'm going to, see, that I'm going to dance to Mambo number five on the top of Mount Baldy and I'm training for it, <laughs> right? That's a good word. That's a life-giving word. Instead of getting gunned down in the park, right? Find somebody to give them a good word. It, it, it bring in your, in your small group. Do it there. You've got life-giving words to give to people.
All right, if I could have everybody bow their heads, close their eyes. If you need Jesus right now, like you never made that decision and you're not quite sure, one, you can't hear from God and two, you're not sure if you're gonna be with him forever, this is an opportunity for you to receive the grace of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody in the room that needs that today? Awesome. Is there anybody in this room that has done some serious business between communion last Sunday and now where there's this, you know what, Lord? There's this compartment that I need to surrender to you. I have been listening to lions roar on this all my entire life. And not only have I listened and entertained the thought, I've identified and I've been in relationship with it. If you wanna break relationship with a roar, if you're tired of being that moth drawn to the fire in that area of your life, raise your hand. God's gonna deliver you from it today. God bless you, you're free. God bless you, you're free. I see you back there, God bless you, you're free. I see you back there, you've been set free. I see you right there, you've been set free. I see you too. You don't have to accept uh, the sins of past life. I see you there, you're free. Father, right now I just pray that you will just continue to do an incredible, mighty work in us. That we will have the discipline and the wisdom and the hope to discern from an omen and a prophetic word. God, I pray that we will choose to be in healthy community relationships where instead of trying to to control a situation or be in charge where we will actually walk into the room and we will look for hope inside of people. God, right now I pray that you will just give us your eyes to see people the way that you see them. God, I pray right now that you will just take ourself out of the equation and that you will just give us a hunger and a desire for your grace to love on people in the way that you do. God, for all those strongholds that have been dominating areas of our life where we just refused to give it up, where we've been that flame, where we've been that moth drawn to the flame, God, forgive us of our sins. God, we don't know what we're doing. We're we're, we're so dumb sometimes. Just forgive us. Father, may we move on as a strong church. It's a community of wisdom that lays hands on young, young men and women and imparts upon them the supreme spiritual gifts of prophecy. We love you.